Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass, or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. It's coming, everyone. College baseball season is almost here. And we, at the Shock Factor podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, are excited to tell you all about it. Thank you for tuning in. Jake, Jordan, how are we doing today? We're doing so good, my dear friend Steve. And as we come here to our fifth and final Power Five uh, conference preview, uh, Jake, I understand this one, it's, how would you say it compares relative to other ones with regard to what it means? Um, m- more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It means why more. <clears throat> why though? I don't why? Get it. What's, a, what's why, why more? Here's why it means more. Ready? Let me tell you. <clears throat> the baseball players are better at baseball. Generally, the fans show up at a greater rate than anywhere else. And those two things combine to make a really incredible atmosphere. And that makes SEC baseball mean more. Thank you. That's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, he did it. That was moving. He explained um, good why podcast, it means more. Everybody. Oh, my God. Uh, Steve, do you concur? Yeah. So great podcast. Um, we'll <laughs> talk to you guys later. <laughs> Uh, while, uh, we would maybe save us some time to keep it that simple. Obviously we are going to deliver a hefty sec preview here. We decided to save this one for last because this one is honestly, it's like, we know how much time we're going to be spending during the year talking about the sec and it's deserved because as Jake said, it's the best baseball, but Steve, we will preview it in, in ways that only, uh, only we can. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds good. And so where would you like to begin with the SEC preview? Because while we have established that it means more, when you think about the SEC, uh, what what goes across uh, your uh, goofy brainwaves? I think immediately first thought country music, second thought long bombs away home runs. Not like the wall scrapers, not like the home runs where it's like, oh, this was just a clutch home run that kind of got out. It's like... 13 to 2 and they are sending balls to the moon still. They do not they do not care about your feelings. They don't care about running up the score. They are going to hit the ball a million miles an hour and there's going to be I'd be shocked if there's ever been a SEC baseball game that hasn't had country music playing at the stadium for I'd say 50% of the songs excluding walkout songs cuz that's that's completely different. Now Here's the th- what I think about. This is college baseball. Okay? And for all the people being like, oh, it's SEC bias. Oh, it's imbalanced. All this. The best players in the sport play at these schools. The best teams are in this conference. The teams that win the most World Series. 
Now, a lot of that has to do with an imbalance of money and resources and nice weather and facilities and yada, yada, yada. But the fact remains that these are the best. They're the best. It means more. This is the whole thing, right? And so if yeah. you are only paying attention to one conference in the, in the whole deal, make sure that it's the Sun Belt. But then the second one should be the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just the fact of life. And as I think uh, we've uh, said on other college baseball podcasts before, Jake, uh, if you don't like it, win more baseball games and beat the teams in the SEC, and then we'll talk about you more. Uh, that's generally how uh, these things work. And as you know, we've already, we, we love all these conferences, but these are the ones we are going to be watching the closest because they involve the best teams and the best teams. Let's tell you about these best teams and tell you about the ones that were in the postseason last year, because this is the only conference that can say that more uh, the, the majority of their conference members were in. I guess the ACC could say these too. Um, in fact, last year was a relative down year for the SEC, only getting nine teams into the tournament. Those nine teams were LSU. They were Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Vanderbilt, and Georgia. The five non-regional teams. Alabama, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Mizzou. We come into this year with eight SEC teams. Just kidding. Nine SEC teams ranked in the preseason top 25, led by LSU at number one, Tennessee at number two, Ole Miss, the defending champs at number four, Texas A&M five, Florida seven, Arkansas eight, Vanderbilt 10, Alabama 20, and South Carolina 20. So there are more. Holy shit, that's friends. Nine? These, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's a lot of, that is so many teams to be ranked in the preseason top 25. Uh, obviously, uh, they have, uh, you know, our, our, our recent national champions, the, the Ole Miss Rebels. And uh, I mean, yeah, these are the best teams. These are the best teams. So when you talk about storylines, basically almost every team in this conference is eminently relevant and will have a very important impact on this season. And that's where I want to begin. Uh, almost everyone. That's where I want to begin, Jordan. Let's talk about the Missouri yes. Tigers. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Missouri Tigers. Let's do the it. The Missouri Tigers are the most irrelevant team in the most relevant conference. They are the furthest north. They have the biggest structural disadvantage. They have the worst facilities. They have the least amount of resources being pumped into the program by the university. And they are the whipping boy. They are the, <clears throat> you know, the little brother of this entire conference. And I'm not going to talk about the Missouri Tigers anymore after the sentence. And we're probably not going to talk about them all year after this podcast. But just to all the players and coaches at Missouri grinding, keep on grinding. We see you. And, and hey, what do they have that, that all those other, uh, uh, other teams don't have? Uh, 40 losses. <laughs> uh, Max, Max Scherzer? Familiar? <laughs> Max, they're going to say, oh, uh, sorry, did you guys produce Max Scherzer? But they don't. Oh, you didn't. Uh, they don't have him right now, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, the Missouri Tigers haven't been in the postseason since 2012. Steve, say something nice about Missouri, then we'll talk about the other teams. Uh, Missouri no hit us when I was at UMBC, um, so that was cool. <laughs> did you guys? Uh, did you Montez de Did you guys leave your bats at home that day? <laughs> no, we could have. No, um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Steve, because you mentioned Bryce Montez de Oca. Because I think that is a good anecdote for the reality of Missouri, which is that Missouri would probably be kicking the shit out of a lot of other major teams. But here they are stuck in the SEC. 
And uh, if they can ever build it up to something more than what it is now, uh, we will be very impressed. But uh, Steve, what are some of the biggest things you're thinking about coming into this SEC season? One thing, I, I'm really wondering when South Carolina is going to be in Omaha again. Because I remember growing up like at the peak of my college baseball interest in like eighth grade, I would say. And like that span from like eighth grade to high school, it was like, okay, South Carolina is going to be in Omaha with seven other teams. And we were saying that February 1st of every year. Like they were just, they were like Stanford the past couple of years. It's like, okay, don't know what's going to happen in the season. They'll be in Omaha though. It, it's just, they've made some big hires, I think in the, in the off season in our Gatorade nipple bottle cap, uh, where we where we have that transferring section um they got monty lee from clemson which i think will be a big addition to the staff because then you got two head coaches essentially you know Mm -hmm. and as long as each of them understand their roles and they aren't fighting for like power or anything like that which i don't think that's what would be happening that that's a situation that can really help the program excel so uh, i'm interested to see what they do this season yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you know, we talked <clears throat> on the Pac-12 preview about, uh, you know, USC and Arizona State. I think this is closer to the Arizona State where we have seen them be good this century, right? We have seen them mm-hmm. have success, but it has been a while, of course, since their back-to-back national championships in 2010, 2011. They have been, you know, they have been in the tournament a, a good amount, but they have not seemed like a threat to Omaha. They have not been to Omaha since 2012. Um, and to your point, like that, it used to be, I mean, they made it 020304, 10, 11, 12, like that's just kind of what they did. And that has not been the case for South Carolina recently. Uh, Jake, what is something you're thinking about in SEC? LSU. Uh. <clears throat> LSU. Tell me about him. Why, why? What's so interesting about LSU? Oh, who is that? So LSU is the story of the season in college baseball, if you're just tuning in. They went out in the transfer market, and uh, they got everybody. They got all the good players, and they're all on their team. LSU is like the most talented team we've had in the preseason as far as I've been paying attention to college baseball. They are loaded. If they do not win the World Series, it will be a disappointment for them. It is title or bust, and that is a really combustible type of environment to be in, and a lot of pressure, and their coach, Jay Johnson, has – Probably the most difficult coaching job in the sport, which is weird to say, considering it's one of his own making and one that all other coaches would love to have that problem. But making sure that everyone stays happy and on the same page and that this LSU juggernaut keeps pushing forward, it's going to be fascinating to see how they progress over the course of the season because the ghost of the 2022 Tennessee Volunteers is looming over every single thing they do this year. That is a great point, right? We all assumed we would see Tennessee and Omaha and them flaming out. I mean, everyone's coming for them, right? I mean, Steve, I have to imagine every team, not just in the SEC, but anyone that is on LSU's schedule, beating LSU is like number one goal of of the regular season for any team, right? Like anyone that beats them in any individual game is going to be going crazy because it just feels so good. When when the talent is so ridiculous – it's not even just about the program that you're beating and the like, oh, wow, we beat this 
you know, program that has all these national championships and all these titles or whatever. It's just like, no, you have better baseball players than everyone else. And so when you lose, that is going to look bad and also make this whole season really fun. And also, but again, good problems to have, right? I mean, if you're Jay Johnson, you're not complaining. You're like, hell, hell yeah. Our team's freaking sweet. Yeah. And as a player playing LSU this season, like those games, those dates are circled on the calendar because those are those. Those are the games as a college baseball player you're going to go on to tell people about. It's like little people care what I did in a midweek against I, – I don't even know where I'm going with that. But people care when it's like, yeah, when I was in the Cape, I faced Spencer Torkelson, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I, I still bring those things up. I bring up striking out – uh oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> <laughs> shortstop from the Astros. Oh my God. Jeremy Pena. Yeah. Jeremy Pena. There it yeah, is. Yeah. Well that's, but um, again, you, now you weren't thinking that at the time when you were facing Maine, but now you do. No, I was thinking, Jesus, it's midnight and freezing here. Um, <laughs> but afterwards someone told me about him and I was like, I'm going to remember this. Um, I am thinking, I, here's my, my big thing. Cause you, you just mentioned all this, you, I'm fascinated. All the Tommy White, all the players that you heard, right? Christian Little, great. I am most interested in Wes Johnson because to just steal a major league pitching coach um, and have that kind of resource at your disposal for a team that, like, the pitching was actually better, like, statistically was better than I remembered looking at it. Like, their team ERA last year was 4-3-2, which was really, you know, right in the middle of the SEC. But, like, that, if you combine – the raw talent on the mound with the freshmen that they have and Skeens and Hurd and all these guys. I know they just lost, you know, Grant Taylor for the year to Tommy John. If, if that, if, if you can just combine that with a big league pitching coach and it goes how you would think it goes. Now we're really in like, I, I'm terrified of this team territory. Cause we know they're going to bang. We know they're going to hit a ridiculous amount of home runs like that. I have no doubt of, but if this, if you can actually just apply one of the better major league pitching coaches to the staff, I that is what I'm most interested in with with LSU by far. So, Wes Johnson, let's see what magic you can make happen. Uh, Jake, any other big storylines before uh, we get to our main characters? I mean, Tennessee. What is Tennessee the year after the, the team after the team, the year after the year? You know, I mean, it's going to be the best starting rotation in college baseball with Burns, Dolander, and Beam, and and then the lineup is a bunch of guys you don't know about. And uh, and that'll be a fascinating dynamic after they hit 80 billion home runs a year ago. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so like last year, here, here, Steve. So like, do you know how many home runs they hit last year, Steve? Without looking, you, you just 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 check it. They played 66 games. How many home runs did the Tennessee? Yeah, 48. Ooh, nicely done. 158. Uh, they scored. Ah, uh, my bad. 9.29 uh, runs per game. More uh, a run more than second place LSU, at least in the SEC. And yeah, I mean, I, part of me just thinks whoever they plug in to play there is going to just continue to hit that many home runs. Uh, but I don't know. And like, can the pitching somehow be better? If all those guys are back in another year, like, I mean, there's no way the offense can be better, but can the pitching somehow be better? Because the pitching was also the best in the country. I don't know, man. Yeah, Tennessee is, I I have no idea. And I'm just curious to see how how spicy it gets for them or if they, like, tone it down at all. Even without the props. Like, who's going to keep the spice coming for the volunteers? I, I trust that they will. I just don't know exactly who that's going to be. Um, Steve, any other uh, big things you're thinking about? Uh, so one thing that just completely 
I, I don't understand how it happens in South Florida doesn't just pack their stadium every mm. game. Mm-hmm. Like, have, have you guys ever seen a highlight of Florida where there's, like, a bunch of fans in right. the stadium? This is a great, like, we need runesplained to us, I think, uh, concept we, we had earlier. Just, like, things in college baseball that probably do have explanations that don't. Um, now, Steve, my first reaction, I don't know if this is the real answer. Uh, now, I guess this isn't true at Florida State, right? But I'm thinking about, you know, the Miami Marlins and the, and the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm like, oh, people don't go to those games. But, like, this isn't a Florida problem because Florida State packs the house. And they do. They just built a brand-new stadium, too, right? Like, it's not like they don't have an awesome facility. So, I don't know. I, I think I, I kind of yeah. see what you mean. It seems like a different environment. And they have one of the best baseball players in college baseball, Wyatt Langford, mm-hmm. Langford who we'll talk about later. But, like – I, I just don't understand it. I saw something that was uh, it was a graphic talking about the season ticket prices for SEC teams. The lowest cost one was Florida. How much do you got? How much would you pay for season tickets to watch the best college baseball player play? And it's somewhere kind of close to you. That's a good question. I have no sense for season ticket prices in general, so I'm I can't even make a guess. But you're saying it's the cheapest. The cheapest is the Florida season what? tickets. Would $35 break the bank for a whole season season tickets worth of baseball? That <laughs> can't be that can't be right. That can't be Dude, correct. I I'm dead serious. I saw the graphic. I don't know if it was accurate, but I'm pretty certain it was cuz I remember looking it up and like the prices were pretty low. The, I don't know if they were $35 exactly, but I, I'll do more research. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I trust that it was the lowest number on there. Whether that's $35 per game or $35 for the whole season, we should probably clarify that because that doesn't seem possible. If you're right, then yes, I'm very concerned about why that would be so cheap and why it would be so easy to have season tickets for that. It's also hard for me. Like, I know that ticket prices for different levels of college baseball is all over the place and different places charge them things. But Jake, do you have any, uh, any ideas to why? Because I, I do agree, like, environment-wise, no one ever mentions Gainesville ever, despite this being one of the strongest programs in the country. and one of the nicest newest stadiums, right? And yeah. a program with a, a lot of legacy, and not in a big city where people are like going to watch the big league team. So it is this very bizarre. I do need this rune explained to me. <laughs> my my bad. Seventy five dollars for adults. For for well, still that still seems like a crazy yeah, a crazy I, deal. 35 was for the children. <laughs> okay. Well, I know you're, you're always thinking, you're thinking of the kids. Do <laughs> we appreciate that? You know me. <laughs> Trying um, to grow the game. But, but no, I, I'm, I would love to have that explained to me. So I w- we're honestly, like I'm not, I'm not even hating. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> so, so that yeah, I'm, I think I'm glad more you brought people that up. Should go. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Cause again, I know that like, it, right. It, it has almost more of like a West coast vibe where like some of the programs in the West coast that are really good, you know, in California, college baseball isn't treated in the same kind of way it's from a fan atmosphere perspective as it is in the, in the SEC. And so when you see it in Florida and you know how good they are, it's, it is weird. So I agree with that. Uh, all right, gentlemen, shall we take a quick break and we will return with our main characters for the 2023 SEC season. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean, one of the top oceans in the world. The Atlantic Ocean. Hop in. The water's warm. 
Wow, they are stepping up just time and time again. Can we call them a presenting? Can we call it a presenting sponsor? Or no? They're just, they're still picking and choosing here. All right, well, yeah. we'll get back to you on the Atlantic Ocean sponsorship. Steve, I know you were a little concerned last time about whether the Atlantic Ocean had actually paid up. Is that still on your mind? Yeah, I got the, I got the package. My bank, unfortunately, does not accept seashells. <laughs> so I don't know where to get these exchanged. I've gone to several gift shops. No one's taking them. Um, it, like, and it's not a normal seashell. It's the size of a fridge. It's from the deep part, you know, where we don't understand the size of things or what's down there. I'm losing money with this thing, hauling it around. Well, uh, we're just going to keep taking them because we appreciate their support so much, even if they're paying us in seashells. So that's fine. All right, gentlemen, it's time to talk about our main characters for the 2023 SEC season. Uh, Steve, there's a billion to choose from, but we will try to be concise. So start us off with somebody. Um, I want to start us off with Enrique Bradfield Jr. Um, he is one of the fastest men in college baseball. Um, shout out to Michael Gupton for making that. So he, I have to say one of, um, but he, I would say he's still the quickest, Mm. if that makes sense. Like, I believe there's a difference between top speed and quickness. You know, in Mario Kart, for example, the motorcycles, that's your quickness. Those things are taken off. The launch is insane. Your top speed, that's Bowser. He's going fast. It takes him forever to exactly. get Exactly. It's it's acceleration and, versus speed. You know, like I was big into the toad cart. Exactly. Because the acceleration was so good. Do you value, you know, after you get hit with the green shell, starting up fast again versus once I am in the clear and I'm reaching top speed. That's kind of a philosophical debate. Yeah. And I I would kind of say, like, Enrique is the acceleration of the toad cart mixed with the Wario cart top speed. Now, Michael Gupton, I don't know about his quickness, but he's definitely a Bowser cart top speed-wise. Acceleration-wise, I'm sure he's, he's close to toad cart levels. That's it? Okay, thank you, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Uh, I, Steve. Yeah. And sentence. Steve, you're, it's unbelievable doing a podcast with you. I never know when your sentences are over. But keep them guessing, Steve, you know. I don't either. Steve, do you want to maybe mention why being that fast is good in baseball? Because I'm looking at his stats oh, yeah, and I'm yeah, seeing oh, something. I should circle back to Enrique. Okay. Um, being that fast is really good, especially if you're a center fielder and leadoff mm-hmm. hitter who can also hit home runs. But Enrique, he he's still somewhere in the 40s base-wise last season. I don't remember the exact metric. 46. For, 46. Oh, most importantly, Steve. 46 bases, that's Most importantly, he never got caught. Never. So did he actually steal them? Ooh. How do we know? <laughs> we have no proof. There's no evidence that Enrique Bradfield. Allegedly. Oh. That's a good point. I like where your brain's at. Uh, The other thing that's nice about being that fast at college baseball is if you forget something in the locker room, you can just go back and get it really easily. Yeah. Whereas... Well, Vandy's locker room's probably pretty close. (laughs) That's actually a pretty good point. Um, What am I interested in? I am interested in the continued showdown between Tony Vitello, the coach of Tennessee, and Patrick Corbin. 
Patrick Corbin. Tim Corbin, the coach, <laughs> the coach in Vanderbilt. These two are polar opposites. Tony V is the most uh, like aggro type A alpha over the top, yippity yappity, getting the guys fired up, high energy, big speech, get ejected um, type guy. And Corbs is the opposite of that, right? He's like military man buttoned up. We do it the right way. Respect the respect the baseball game, et cetera, et cetera. And they are competing for the attention and the recruits in the same stake. And what I like the most about Tony Vitello is that when he took the Tennessee job, he turned to the West and he saw Corbin at Vanderbilt and he said, I'm never going to out Corbin Corbin, right? I'm never going to be able to out Vanderbilt Vanderbilt. So let me go the other way and let me turn Tennessee into the most entertaining circus in college baseball and see if we could develop a program that way. And guess what? It's worked. And so I am fascinated to see how these two rivals continue to progress over the course of the 2023 season. Now, Steve, that, Steve yeah. that's how you end a sentence. Did you notice how like my diction changed <laughs> okay. there? And that's what yeah, I'm looking went, forward to. You went softer at the end. Yes. Up and then down. And you concluded <laughs> with a period and a pass off to your podcast co-host, Jake. Tennessee swept Vanderbilt in Nashville last year. That's when that was early in the season. That's when it was like, oh shit, like Tennessee's not fucking around. Like they are clearly one of the best teams we've ever seen. This year, Vanderbilt will visit uh, Tennessee, I believe, towards the end of April um, for a series that will surely be an absolute delight. Uh, I am going to mention uh, someone. Uh, I mean, listen, there's so many guys on LSU to pick from, from Tommy White and Dylan Cruz and and Skeens and all those guys. Uh, but I have to mention Blake Money. Because Blake Money was a very important part of this pitching staff last year. And I know that his innings might not be as high leverage this year when you have a billion All-American candidates on the staff as well. But when your name's Blake Money and you look like the way Blake Money does, uh, I still hope that he is, is going to be a big part of this pitching staff in one way or the other. And honestly, his innings and his appearances will be more precious to me because last year he was second on the team in innings. This year, I do not expect that to be the case, but he is still an important part of this team. And I hope that Blake Money can continue to deliver um, some some entertaining entertaining pitching appearances as one of, I mean, him, him and Riley Cooper both kind of fit this description. I don't know if you were going to shout him out, Steve, but both of those guys were yeah. important parts of the pitching staff last year. And even with all the fancy additions of Skeens and Hurd and Little, et cetera, et cetera, I hope that, uh, I hope that those guys still get their shine on the LSU pitching staff. Yeah. I, uh, one guy I was going to mention, I was going to talk about Riley Cooper. He is like, so I like to think of him as that kid from your high school who randomly got rich. You're, you're in the small town. He, he drives a Ford F-150 to school every day. And now he's rich. He's got Lamborghinis. But he's still got the old reliable thing that works. The left-handed pitcher who throws strikes and makes people swing at the, ba- at the baseball, you know? So I, I make, and I mean that in the best way to Riley riley cooper like this is a compliment from me i don't want it to take an insult he is the ford f-150 in the best way it's always reliable always gonna work and that's why i'm excited to watch him this season jake what do you think 
<laughs> How no, that did was I good. Do? My that was perfect, and Jake left you hanging. Um, that was totally I was just, great. Yeah, no, I should. I should have hit Jordan. He looked more. Good. <laughs> I was no. I was just surprised that he did that correctly. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'll get you. I, I just want to say the, the one other thing about about Riley Cooper is that they don't have that many left-handed pitchers that were like a big part of the team last year. So like, I know they have a couple transfers, I think, and maybe some freshmen, but like, of all the fancy guys they brought in, most of them are right-handed. So I assume Riley Cooper is still going to get significant use. Uh, Jake, give us another one. Yeah, it's time to time to start moving some couches in the old F one fifty. You know, load her up. Load her up. Uh, anything else here, guys? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot about DJ Primo, which is that's a that's an, an LSU name that we probably will not be forgetting about. Um, I assume that is also his DJ name. I don't know if he is the team DJ. We'll have to ask them when we see them at the Round Rock Classic. DJ Primo, freshman lefty, be prepared to answer uh, some some questions. I, I did want to mention um, Christian Little also. I'm, I'm interested in him because when you leave Vandy, presumably you're only going to leave Vandy if you're really going to have an awesome other opportunity. And I hope that it is that at LSU. But um, And I think it's more likely now with Grant Taylor going down. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what he looks like because he's a like a 19-year-old junior and uh i'm very curious to see what he looks like in year three and of all the people i'm most excited to see how he works with wes johnson he's probably top of the list so those are my picks but there's a million guys and also uh steve you mentioned one on our first episode this season and you haven't even brought him up i know he's on the sheet here but gerangelo cinchi uh at uh at mississippi state our switch pitching hero he will be making his, his was- debut so yeah r- remind us again how much you love him yeah, I was trying to remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> I mean, Ger- listen, Gerangelo is, is enough to stand out on his own. So you could just call him Gerangelo. Yeah, it's kind of like Cher, you know? So Gerangelo, he pitches with his left hand, throws in the upper 80s, low 90s. It's pretty cool. He's got a really great slider left-handed. And then right-handed, he's 94 to 96. So if you do the math, he is, as a product, he's bringing you about – 176 miles an hour Is that no, <laughs> more than that no. actually more than that like 180 to 190 miles an hour depending on the day depending on the wind that that's a picture i'm excited to see yeah we need more reasons to watch mississippi state after last year's disaster so i fully support that uh all right there again there's so many draft picks so many prospects in this conference like we're not going to get to all of them so let's get to our superlatives uh jake where would you like to begin this uh section the slogans in this conference uh suck so not there i have really nothing to say about any of these slogans they're just the slogans that you've heard a million times hotty toddy go tigers like it's just it's just the the problem is 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 that and we'll get it to this when we we're going to do our mid-major preview next but like they don't really have incentive to mix it up. Correct. They kind of have their recipe for success. They don't really need to make a funky hashtag to get more attention because they're SEC baseball teams. Like we're going to be talking about them anyway. So yeah, Steve. I, uh, I actually spent some time reworking a few of the slogans in ways that I think can help. Please, if you guys are please interested. share. I was thinking, would you like me to give you the school's name or just the hashtag and you tell me what school it could be? <laughs> what do you think? 
up to you guys. What do you think, Jake? What, well, how should we how should we do this game? The latter. All right, cool. I watched a lot of Prices Right growing up. Wanted to be Bob Barker, so this is great for me. Um, so the first one is hashtag Who do you know here? Who do you hashtag, know here? Who do we think is this Virginia? Before? As in, like this one? Who do you know here? <laughs> no, no. W H O. Do you know here? I'll spell out the ones that it's important. Um, the spelling's important. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them pertain to a specific school. This was not a good one to start off, but this was mine from Missouri. Okay. Because um, who the hell do they know in the SEC? What do they do? <laughs> you know. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that. I, I. That is funny. I don't know if they would themselves want to be promoting their own um, uh, lack of connection to the conference, but that is funny. All right. Who's next? That's fair. Um. Got another. Um. Can you show us where we are on a map? K-E-N-Y-O-U. Show us where we are on a map. These are long hashtags, Steve. Some of them are. One of them is help us. H-A-I-L-P-U-S. Wait, what's what's the Ken? Tell me about the Ken. Help. What? Oh, the Ken was Kentucky. Oh, nice. That's pretty good. Help us was hashtag hail state because um, they need help. Um, what do they need help with? Hashtag, they just won. They just they just had a terrible back season. On track last <laughs> season. Last season they need help getting back on track, and they're they need help. Um. Okay. This this one's fun. Um. This one's a big speller. Um. Hashtag go into the portal spelled. Yeah, we, we know what this one is. That was Thanks, Thank Steve. you. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> well, well, let me finish. I-N-T-E-A-U-X-T-H-E-P-E-A-U-X-R-T-A. Pure tip. So you really... Portal. Go into, go, go into the, the portal. portal. That's um, what I'm hearing. Let's see. Um, next one, Anchors Up. I think it's time to get going, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anchors down. That's staying It hasn't stationary. been working for them? They only play you half the games at home. No, I mean, it probably has, but I think road games should be tweeted with hashtag. I support up. that. Because you aren't staying there. You aren't staying at port. <laughs> um, that's that's about all I got. Yeah. I think hail bus is probably the funniest and most disrespectful but i i think that one i love because the other ones steve this is a great example of if you were going to lean into the spelling just consider how that would translate to a podcast well it sounds like he's saying h-a-i-l-p-u-s like i love pus no help 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 us uh uh, that's true. That is a, that is a fair critique. All right, Stephen yeah. uh, Stephen Shock, thank you for that. improving these slogans for us. Uh, gentlemen, who has the most unfinished business? This is an interesting one because I guess Tennessee is the obvious answer here. Uh, we talked about how on the last episode how the unfinished business meter is higher for teams that lose before Omaha versus the ones that lose in Omaha. So I would agree with that. And I think because of that, I would definitely go with Tennessee still by far. Um, and there's enough uh, continuity there, at least on the pitching side, where they definitely have business that has been unfinished. 
and they will try to finish it this year. Any any disagreements on that one? No, they made it to Omaha and went two and out in twenty twenty one, and you know, so their unfinished business was pretty high. And then not making it to Omaha, that only compounded. That's a good point. Business. Stretching back, it, it's like with loans, you get the compound interest. This is compound unfinished business. <laughs> that is a very very good point. Uh, all right, next one. Which coach would you most want to play for? And I'm curious about this one for you guys. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I guess a lot of picks here, a lot of famous coaches. Uh, Steve, do you have any uh, picks here in, in the SEC? Uh, Jay Johnson, I don't know. Everybody wants to play for him. <laughs> that's so that's true. Not, that know? is compelling it evidence. Comes, it, <laughs> it, it comes with $50,000. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. We have no idea how much it comes with. All right. Let's not just be spouting out numbers. Uh, Jake, uh, go ahead. Who, who would you like to play for? Jordan, who do you think I would want to play for? I'm curious because I have an answer, but I, I wonder what, how well do you know your friend? I mean, I don't know. I know I know you love Tony V as a thing. I don't know if he's necessarily your kind of coach, or at least at the top of this list. So I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, I, I don't know. I could see you going in a lot of different directions. So like Tony V versus Corbin, I could see both of them. Is it is it someone else besides those yes. two? Yes. Okay, who is it? Butch Thompson mm. at Auburn. Oh, Big Butch. All right, so Great Butch pick. Thompson is my kind of guy, okay? Itawamba Community College to Birmingham Southern College as a player, as a coach, assistant at D3 Huntingdon, assistant at Birmingham Southern, head coach at Jefferson State, back to the assistant at Birmingham Southern, assistant at Georgia, Auburn, Mississippi State. He's been the head coach at Auburn since 2016. And Jordan... Butch Thompson has a, has a knows personally a gentleman I would consider one of the most important baseball presences in my life, and that is Mr. Tim Holsey. Tim, if you're listening and you to to this podcast and you're out there in in a in Enterprise, Alabama, and you're listening, I love you, brother. So Tim Holsey, one of my mentors, is close with Butch Thompson, and I know Butch could get my giblets rocking in a way that would fire me up to play some baseball. It's a great answer. It's a great answer. I'm glad, I'm glad Halsey got a shout out on this show. Uh, Steve, any other? I mean, again, there's a lot to choose from here. I, I'm curious, Steve, yeah. for you, Corbin or Tony V? Make a pick. Uh, Tony, Tony V, probably. I don't think Corbin would do <laughs> at all. Um, he, he would probably. I like to goof around. And one of my issues in life is I don't know when to ever stop. Um, goofing. yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, when it I'm comes aware, to, man. Thanks. Yeah, sometimes I can, sometimes I can lock in, but like baseball wise, when I'm doing stuff that's fun and around all my friends, there is no way I can be quiet for more than 10 15 minutes. <laughs> like, I, I gotta say some stupid joke, otherwise, I think I explode or a bomb goes off or something, but. So I don't think Tim Corbin would like me very much, but I think Tony V would probably love me um, just based on personality and kind of how mm. I am, I think. Like, I, I just think our personalities. I think lot. that's fair. But I do love me some Butch yeah. Thompson. I got to say, I that he was the first coach to ever send me mail. I'm pretty sure it was a spam <laughs> camp invite, but still the first one ever. That's mail, um, baby. So. Mail is mail. 
Male is male. Male is male. Great answers. Uh, all right, let's do uh, the oldest boy brought to you, uh, not really, by AARP. Uh, this is an easy one. This award, again, goes to the oldest player we can find in this conference. And by my uh, research, uh, that title belongs to one Darren Williams. No, not the former uh, point guard. This is D-A-R-R-E-N, Williams. This gentleman at the University of Kentucky is turning 25 in four days. And he will be pitching for, for the Wildcats. This man is older than even Stephen Schock was when he was pitching for Virginia. He last year had a .93 ERA in 29 innings, which is very impressive. And uh, I'm excited to see if he can do it again. He started his career in Eastern Kentucky way back in 2018. As, a, as a, I guess his freshman year wasn't until he was 20. So um, I'm sure there's some red shirts in there, some COVID years. But yeah, 25-year-old Darren Williams will be uh, taking on the SEC this year in his last uh, go here in college baseball. So congrats to him, the oldest boy. Um, let's do culture shock factor. This one's fun. Ooh, we got yeah. – uh, this is the, the most interesting transfer – a most different uh, school to transfer from. And we got, we got a couple here. You know, we got Zane Probst going from Seton Hall to Alabama. I think that is a nice little change. Troy Wansing going from Purdue, West Lafayette, Indiana, going down to Texas A&M. That's definitely different. But the easy pick here is Mason LaPlante going from Yale to Georgia. And I love this one because, to me, uh, people in life, if you're just a regular student, where do you want to get to? You want to get to the Ivy League. He did it. He got to the Ivy League. And if you're a baseball player, what do you want to do? You want to play baseball in the SEC. That's the pinnacle. And this man will have accomplished both. And cheers to you, Mason LaPlante, who has, uh, has, has managed, to, um, managed to succeed uh, in, in every facet of a, of, a youth's, of a youth's life. So congratulations, Mason Plant, our culture shock factor here. What can't he do? Next, he needs to, like uh... – Go to like the top, like Colorado School of Mines or something to like. <laughs> well, no, I think, right. I think Air the Force. next would be transferring to um, like Navy, right? I don't know how many years of eligibility, but I think that would be the trifecta would then be going and joining the military to kind of, and then, and then, you know, finish off in med school somewhere. Um, so, you know, good luck, Mason, with that. I don't know how likely that is, where, whether that, those interests will align, but you seem like a talented and smart young man, so we wish you the best with that. Speaking of talented and smart young men, Jordan, mm -hmm. I think it's time to hop in to the are best we doing, majors. Are we doing best majors? Let's hear it. Now, this is a conference not particularly known for its academic rigor when compared to some of the other conferences in Division I baseball, but that does not mean that there are smart chaps hitting the books hard just as hard as they're hitting the baseballs, and we're going to begin at the University of Missouri. They might be the doormat for this conference on the field, but in the classroom, they're the inside mat. And I want to give a shout out to Parker Wright. Parker Wright, a junior who is majoring in civil engineering. Okay. I like that. Build those, build those things. He's, do, he's doing civilly, of course, not in any sort of chaotic way. Like he's taking it very respectfully. Next major I want to shout out is a gentleman by the name of Cade Woods over at the University of Alabama. He's a redshirt freshman, and he is majoring in studio art. Nice. That's good. See, those majors I'm interested in because those require you to, like, go into the studio and make art. And so I'm curious how he balances that 
with his practice schedule. Would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I wonder if he's ever out on the diamond thinking like, shit, that pot I made, it's not very good today. Because <laughs> um, like the other guys, they're worried about like tests and things like that. No, they're that. not. And like, not, well, some, a few of them, they aren't worried about how they're going to perform on it. They're just worried that they're going to have to sit there for 30 minutes. But, um, but I, and that's not to simplify a studio art degree. I, I just have zero understanding of it. So I assume it's making art, right? It's not probably not just studying the history of art or anything like that. Steve, I'm sure we got to get you. So I, I wonder, Steve, that's a great example. If we don't know when your sentence is over, uh, Steve, we got to get you down to Tuscaloosa yeah. so that you can do an art class with Cade Woods. I would love that. I would love that. Kyle Pitch Peterson. In the studio. Pay, pay for that to happen. <laughs> Who says no? Uh, yeah, if I film it, it's a tax write-off. Uh, next guy I want to shout out is Ben Anderson at Georgia, a graduate student uh, who majors uh, in biochemistry, which is seems hard as hell. That is that is a good one. Ben Anderson has been at Georgia for quite some time, if I uh, if Correct. I do recall. Yes, this gentleman is also turning twenty five this year. So I mean, that's one where I can imagine if you're a biochem major, you probably do still have some classes to go to get through. And, but he's really and good. there's another there's another kid named Cole Tolbert at Ole Miss who's majoring in biochemistry, which is even more impressive when you consider he's a JUCO transfer. <laughs> Wow. Oh boy. That's, that's, I love that. I love that. That's, you know, we're not just sliding in with whatever Juco credits we had. We're, we're going, we're going straight to one of the artist majors there is. I like last one here. There is a kid at, uh, at Ole Miss with a major that needs to be explained to me. Okay. Because it makes no sense. You ready? Please. John Kramer is majoring in freshman studies. (laughs) <laughs> Steve, go ahead. I, what year is he? Is he a freshman? No, he's a sophomore. Oh, okay. Didn't didn't want to didn't want to go to sophomore <laughs> studies. Um, but How long can you? This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. To me, is that to me that is the same as undeclared. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Yeah, I I think of that, and I think of like general, like your Common Core general classes you have to mm-hmm. take, like your elective credits and everything like that. Maybe that that's what it is, like intro to college. <laughs> I don't know if everyone's freshman year was dumbed down that hard like it was for me, but no, no, there's they there no. are freshman seminars at most schools, but it's not usually its own major. But he's a sophomore, and it sounds like his line of study is to study freshmen. Does he just walk around campus looking at him? Yeah. He, he, he's not actually enrolled in the school. He just lives on campus and. No, he can. I mean, again, he's just like, doing some, you know, critical ethnography. I mean, it's not, it's not that hard. It's real. Sure, certainly there's versions of, you know, sociological studies of fellow students that can be done, but I would like to know more about that as well. I'm, 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 I'm definitely perplexed to the same degree. Um, I, I'm on their website. If you would like me to uh, read on it. whose website? All, on, on always. <laughs> Ole Miss is uh, Ole Miss.com. Ole Miss.edu. Of course. Sorry. Explore your college options with freshman studies. 
the initial home for Ole Miss students deciding on major. Thank you. Undeclared. I don't think that's going to stay on his roster bio that much longer. In fact, I am going to wager that that will change by the end of the season. <laughs> by the end, by the time Ole Miss is eliminated, who, what's the kid's name? Whatever the kid's name, will, he, will, he will no longer be uh, doing freshman studies. That will be updated. That is my prediction. That is my bold prediction for the 2023 SEC baseball season. Uh, on that random note, uh, any final thoughts about the SEC? We should mention, um, if you feel like this was uh, maybe not a thorough review of the SEC baseball season, the good news is that you can subscribe to SEC Extra and get more than enough real coverage and analysis uh, on, on the D1Baseball.com platform. So definitely check out uh, that work. Joe Healy and Mark Etheridge, they do a great job. Uh, also, the Highway to Hoover podcast, which uh, I, I quite enjoyed. So if this didn't quite uh, fill your SEC appetite, we hope that those can satiate you a little bit better. But until our next preview pod and eventually our first pod of the season, Steve, final thoughts, SEC 2023 preview. Last word. Final thoughts, it just means less. Our coverage is less. You know, we are the SEC less. If you want the more, you want the in-depth, you want to know what Dylan Cruz had for breakfast, um, seek help because that's not a normal thing to wonder. But if you want to know all of his advanced stats and everything about the kid, go subscribe to the SEC Extra. It's a good place to be. Joe Healy's a cool dude. Had dinner with him one time. Very funny. I, a highly funny guy, I think. I think I'm excited to work with him, and hopefully we'll, we'll shine some of that funny through later on in the season. That was a great way to end the sentence. Clap it up for Steve. Clap it up. Did, did I do Thanks, it? y'all. Did you hear the period? That's the end of the podcast. Talk to you soon. can start your day off right when you find a professional on angie to get your plumbing right first connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well visit angie.com you can do this when you angie that